Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. This is Mike Williams. I'm the founder and president of Altius Financial, and this is our Altius Capitalize Your Fridays podcast, and we do episodes on any number of topics relating to financial planning, investing, economics, and anything else that uh, Taylor comes up with here. Say hello, Taylor. <laughs> hey, and I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist and Vice President of Altius Financial. So we want to talk about crypto here, right? Now, do I get a do I get a say? I told you so, or something <laughs> like that. I mean, although I don't know if that's yeah. fair. I mean, I, I've been more and more interested in the concept. I've been saying this for years, but I've been more and more interested in the concept of cryptocurrency and potentially investing in it. But you know, you've been much more active in uh, looking at that from a you know, personal standpoint yourself. Yeah, so fortunately, our household or my household wasn't invested in the FTX cryptocurrency, the FTT ticker or FTT coin. We did not use that platform. We did not buy that coin. So it's not something that's directly impacted us in that way. But we definitely have seen some ex- some of the backlash as far as all the other coins kind of experiencing some recent volatility as well. But yeah, so I want to make sure. (laughs) Well, I want to make sure we uh, add and and clarify. um, Altius has never made any investments on behalf of our clients in anything close to cryptocurrency or the infrastructure of cryptocurrencies. Um, We've been doing research and and answering questions for our clients. um, But so far, we haven't made any kind of investments in that area. And uh, this whole... A recent news story about FTX, and we'll go into this more in detail for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, uh, although it's been on the news quite a bit, but we'll talk about that more. Now, before we get too far in the discussion, uh, why don't you go ahead and give the disclaimer, which may be as even more important in this episode. Yeah, definitely. So I'll start off with our disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of investment advice or financial planning. No advisor-client relationship is formed by the broadcasting of this episode or your listening of what we say. The use of this information or any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content in this podcast is not meant as a substitute for professional financial advice. If you're needing specific financial advice for your situation, please reach out to your certified financial planner. Or if you're interested in learning more about our firm, our people, or our philosophy, Feel free to reach out to us through our website, which is altiusfinancial.com, or contact us directly by email at taylor at altiusfinancial.com or michael at altiusfinancial.com. Just so you're aware, that is A-L-T-I-U-S financial.com. All right. So, Taylor, let's start off by uh, defining some terms here. Um, the, the, The big thing that's been in the news is this FTX, SBF, BS, <laughs> why don't yeah. you tell us what FTX is? Yeah, so FTX is a Bahamas-based cryptocurrency exchange company, and I know that's kind of a mouthful. So it's, it's if you think about the New York Stock Exchange, the NYSE, that is a stock exchange where you can exchange stocks. FTX is a cryptocurrency exchange, so you can exchange cryptocurrency. It's registered in Antigua and Bermuda, but it is um, its headquarters is in the Bahamas. So that's helpful to note in what's going on right now because it's not really at all a U.S. company, even though a lot of what's gone on recently is U.S. focused. 
Um, at its peak, it was one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges. So that's why it's had such a large impact on um, just the whole crypto market at this time. If you're sitting here going, okay, I, Mike listed out a bunch of letters. I mean, what is FTX? What, what does that even mean? It's just kind of an abbreviation for the futures exchange. So that's what they named their cryptocurrency exchange. How did it get big, so big so fast? So that's kind of a cool and interesting thing. Um, it's a little bit farther down on my agenda, but the interesting thing with FTX is they they seem to have been like excellent market marketeers. <laughs> Would probably be the best way to say it. Um, they have been involved in lots of large companies and large in industries. So. Um, they became the official partner of the MLB, so Major League Baseball in the U.S. Um, they had great, huge deals with the Mercedes F1 team. Um, they partnered with the ES esports giant, TSM. Um, they also have famous athletes that have bought into the company as well as sponsored the company. And so it's essentially just become this super highly marketable coin and exchange company. And so I think the risk there is when you turn on the TV and they say, oh, look, FTX, and you see your favorite sports stars saying, yeah, I, I have FTX or I own FTX. The challenge there is you start to go, oh, well, it might not be so risky. This person has this. And this is something that I want to be like that person. I want that too. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I mean, other cycles we've seen before. And again, this is my role to play here, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. Being the old guy. But I remember seeing uh, during the dot-com bust, you know, all kinds of commercials, including celebrities and sports figures and people like that, you know, saying how rich they were getting in various dot-com stocks. And it has sort of that same feel to me. Uh, like you said, there, there's been a lot of you know, really interesting and effective marketing that's gone on with, with this whole cryptocurrency thing and, and, and the exchange itself, the FTX exchange. So tell us more about SBF, this character. Yeah, so SBF is, um, it's kind of like the AOC type thing. I mean, people are just now, people with long names get fancy abbreviations, especially when there's someone that people have strong opinions for or against. So SBF is Sam Bankman Freed or Fried. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you pronounce that. He is one of the co-founders of FTX and he was also the founder of Almeida Research, which we'll kind of get down to in a little bit. But um, him having the ties, being a founder of both of those has really kind of, I mean, he's dipping his toes into two companies that are co-mingling assets and in the U.S., that's not something that's very well welcomed or well. Well, anywhere it shouldn't be well. Yeah. I mean, that's that's you know I talk about how the world is a better place to invest generally because of transparency and and having accounting rules, and that's something that was evidently very sorely missing in this whole <laughs> enterprise, right? Yeah. Not any real clarity with regard to accounting. The transparency wasn't there. Uh, it sounds like a real cluster, from what I can tell. Yeah, so I don't know how much you all know, and I'm, I'm not going to claim to be the professional on this. This is just the information I have gathered. What kind of went down in the last month or so is this large company. So it's actually the largest company, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world is Binance. And Binance was saying, hey, you know what? FTX looks great. They're, they seem to be doing well. They're really growing. They're becoming one of the larger companies 
maybe we should look at buying them. Maybe this should be something we're interested in. So in the past few months, they've started to say, hey, maybe I'm going to look at buying them. That would be a great opportunity to continue growing. Grow my company, good opportunity. Now, shortly after Binance said, hey, well, I think I'm going to put in my letter of intent to start doing due diligence, start looking at purchasing this company. Shortly after that, um, Coindesk, which is it's a news company focused on crypto, released a document stating that, well, Almeida Research, which is this company that's also owned by Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, is kind of commingling funds. They're kind of taking funds from FTX, maybe moving them to Almeida to pay off some loans, some debts. Um, it might not be such such a stable company, even though all these famous people seem to love it. Almost immediately That's after, a whole other rabbit hole, right? All the people that seem to love it. I mean, not only yeah. celebrities, but you know, it's interesting to... And maybe you, maybe we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but all the all the donations this guy was making, with you know evidently his own wealth and other people's wealth, making donations, political donations, uh, charitable donations to quote save the world. I think that's a fascinating thing as well. Yeah, and so I mean, before we jump down the whole rabbit hole of everything that they're doing, the whole basis of okay, where is all this chaos coming from? This company was going to purchase FTX. And after finding out that, hey, FTX is maybe not such a stable company, it's maybe doing some questionable things on the back end, they said, let's let's sell all of our FTT coin. We need to get out of this and close off this deal. Obviously, when someone who holds a very large portion of all of your coins starts selling, the consumers are going to say, well, they're out. I want to get out. I, I don't want to be in this. This is risky now. Yeah. So the laws of supply and demand then kick in, and yeah. and if everyone's wanting to sell, you have fewer and fewer buyers of a specific thing, and therefore the price continues to go down and collapses, and that's why we have now yep. the bankruptcy of this organization, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and then quickly you found that it's similar to when everyone, and I, I don't personally remember this, but I read about it a lot, about all the banks closing when people said, oh, I need to pull my money out. Well, banks are only holding so much money liquid in their specific banking buildings. So if everyone rushes and says, I need my money now, only a certain few amount of people are going to be able to get their money out. And it's kind of the same situation here. So yeah, it's it's just kind of been, it's one of those things where if you were invested in it, you may have found that, hey, I didn't get my money back or I only got a certain amount of my money or I'm really out on everything. I mean, I've heard in the far end of things people put all of their business investments into this and lost everything i've heard stories of people paying other people to get loopholes to get their money out it's kind of just been like well, you're saying a, a cluster it's a colossal fraud right <laughs> yeah i mean this guy uh sam bank from friedman no from what i can tell knowingly stole user funds lent them to he, to this his own hedge fund in a sense mm-hmm. and then was taking massive risks with that hedge fund and you know once the house of cards starts to fall then you know it's it's like warren buffett says you know when the tide goes out you see who's swimming naked yeah and in a sense he was swimming naked making lots of promises and and having lots of uh, uh funds that are uh basically being multiple used for multiple purposes but you know you can't that can only last for so long and then and then people start to find out and and you know again it's a fraud so now i'm gonna 
ask you a question that I think may put you on the defensive, but I want to hear your your perspective. So the challenge with this is this is this whole decentralized finance and, oh, it's great. We don't need to get the government involved. We don't need a lot of regulation. We can do this on our own. Do you think that creating a somewhat free market led to this situation or do you think it's don't blame one bad apple in the whole situation? Yeah, in short, I would say the latter. I mean, I believe that Bitcoin is still a legitimate currency and and cryptocurrency, and there's multiple ones out there. This is a case where you have fraudulent behavior. We certainly have similar examples in business, in finance, throughout history. Uh, There's no guarantee you're going to be able to protect from any one single fraud. The question is, what kind of environment protects people's rights best? And so I think you're really making a good question. So one of the, the things that's happening right now, and I wonder, I mean, I, I don't have any really great evidence of this, but I wonder how much of the progress that's being made by central banks themselves to adopt a cur- cryptocurrency standard themselves is being, you know, kind of, I mean, I've heard people say there's some kind of conspiracy of this happening, you know, that, oh, okay, we need more regulation. That's kind of the yeah. implication of your question. You have this SBF uh, fiasco where you know you have this massive wealth that all of a sudden collapses in in such a short period of time. I mean, this guy's own net worth went from being a billionaire to you know where does he have any assets? Right? Yeah. Uh, he's got his little underwear bedroom <laughs> in, in the Bahamas where they, they yeah. have an interesting relationship with all of his employees, right? Yeah. And he has no net worth now, um, but. Going back to your question about the issue of a free market, a free market doesn't guarantee that there isn't fraud. And there still is absolutely uh, the crucial purpose of the courts and a system to both detect and punish fraud uh, or crimes. I mean, the whole point of a government is to protect rights, and no one has the right to defraud someone else or to steal their money, which is what he did. Um, The question is whether a central bank issuing, having a monopoly on the most important product there is out there, you know, and regulating the price of money, uh, if they can do it any better than anybody else. And we're also seeing, in my view, uh, this inflation uh, flare-up we're having right now. Uh, we've had banking crises, much worse banking crises during the period of central banking than we did prior, which was more of what people consider to be the Wild West of you know, free banking, where we had... Uh, no central bank. Uh, you have to actually understand history to to, to realize that. Um, and you you mentioned at the outset, you know, the whole idea of a a reserve a reserve requirement. Now, cryptocurrencies, because they're not regulated a bit like banks right now, don't have a crypto have a reserve requirement. Yeah. And certainly, in this case, there was no reserve requirement. But the reserve requirement that's actually imposed on banks today by our central bank by a regulator. Uh, you know, the the Federal Reserve is much lower in reality than we had under a free banking system. So people actually had more of their assets protected when there wasn't the regulatory environment than we do now. People have a false sense of security. And I I would say the same thing about FDIC and all the banking regulations that we have. People get the sense, well, I am protected by this insurance company called FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Company, company, right? It's a quasi-government regulatory environment and it gives them a false sense of security about their banks. Um, and so people end up getting very lazy in a market where you don't have 
actual supply and demand uh, functions occurring correctly. Well, and is that because previously people, previously um, banks saw themselves as, well, if this goes down, I'm on the hook for it. Whereas now they say, well, if this goes down, I held my minimum requirement and the government's just going to bail them Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, there's a moral hazard there that we have that when we say, well, what we can do is have some you know, warm feeling, warm, fuzzy feeling in the form of a, a government regulation or a government bureaucracy that's designed to protect me. If there isn't anything really behind that, then you don't have the protections that you think you do. And in, in an unregulated, laissez-faire, free market environment, you're going to have an evolution of where uh, the best, the, you know, whether it's in banking or whatever product, you're going to have the best people with the best reputations thrive. In a regulatory environment, you don't really know always because you have this facade of safety. And so sometimes the worst offenders, the worst criminals are actually being protected by the facade of safety behind a regulatory veil. Well, so what does that mean for these crypto exchanges? Should we be expecting them to be holding larger reserves because they're likely they're not going to see any real backing from the government? Who's the we you're talking about? Well, any consumer, anyone who's looking at, well, should I buy a coin? Should I buy a coin through this exchange? How should I hold it? This is the interesting part of what's happening right now is people, you know, cryptocurrency itself, Bitcoin itself, I believe, was an innovation in the marketplace that said, well, central governments around the world are not doing a good job protecting my wealth. They're not, they don't serve the function of a store of value. Every paper fiat currency loses value over time and, and ultimately ends up inflating themselves. And so the innovation of having a cryptocurrency without having a hard asset like gold was to say, okay, well you, can, you can have mobile assets, mobile wealth, uh, and you know, have it be not subject to government regulation or government inflation government depreciation of your store of value. But the question is, you know, does that itself, does that innovation itself really appeal to the marketplace? I mean, so far it hasn't appealed to me. Now you've, yeah. you, you guys have dipped your foot into it, but you haven't put any real wealth into it. No, nor would I advise anyone to do so. And it, just as a little caveat there, I, I wouldn't tell anyone to take all of your wealth and put it into something, especially not something that you don't feel incredibly confident in. Right. And so that's the thing is people need to understand where, first of all, where wealth comes from and how it's, how it, what can best store the value of it. Uh, and when you say, if you say we, well, there's no we here. There may be you where you <laughs> dipped your toe into it. And there may yeah. be me who's been, you know, kind of con uh, conservative and not, not really thinking it's a good way to allocate capital. And then there are people who've put a lot of wealth into it. And there's certainly a lot of people who were customers of Sam Bankman-Fried who now are, SOL, right? They're out yeah. of luck, and they, they're and and again, there is a uh, a uh, you know new appointed uh, attorney, the guy who was I think in charge of uh, the Enron fiasco, who's now you know designated to go in and clean up this FTX thing. Yeah, but it's going to be hard for lots of people to get their wealth back, and and many of them were. Uh, sophisticated cryptocurrency investors and and understood the risk that they were taking, but maybe many of them out there weren't. And that's my point is that each individual has to do some due diligence and and find people they can trust. Um, if you trust uh, someone who's who's a uh, a criminal, then you know you maybe shouldn't have put all your wealth with them. 
obviously, if they've defrauded you or uh, perpetrated crimes, that is the job of of the government to come back and try to uh, make you whole or punish the criminal as much they can, as much as they can. But there's no guarantee that that won't happen. We do know over history, history teaches us that whenever we have a a freer market, less of that actually happens. Uh, despite the reputation of of the Wild West or uh, you know you know cowboy capitalism or uh, whenever you have a freer market, um, information travels much quicker. And the fraudsters get found out much quicker and they do less damage. Well, and so that kind of makes me wonder, is this going to be a push towards having a somewhat regulated crypto environment? I mean, I know um, I have a friend who works through Coinbase and almost immediately after this happened, he's like, well, that wouldn't have happened at Coinbase because we're American and therefore we're a little bit regulated. So there's much less risk on our side of things. And I, I don't know if that's a false, another false sense of security, but do you think this is almost a push towards, oh, well, we've got decentralized finance, but it's just mostly decentralized finance because otherwise, who knows what's going on in the wild, wild west? I mean, do you think that's going to be a... Well, I think there will be future? plenty of people who will, who will see this uh, as, a, as a reason to have more regulation. Um, and I think that... That ultimately causes even more crises. Uh, again, going back to history, um, you know, we, we have had larger, bigger, and more frequent banking finance crises ever since the Federal Reserve started in 1913. And you know, right now, there's a looming debt crisis because our federal government has continued to print money and... Um, you know, if you have the regulator who's in charge, you know, the, the fox in charge of the hen house, you know, the, the person yeah. or the group who's most responsible for for keeping the value, uh, the soundness of your money doing the opposite, then you have a problem. And, and that's where, you know, my position. And again, we're kind of getting off track a little bit with my sort of political uh, or, or economic views on free markets. But you're right. There will be people who are calling for more regulatory oversight and I don't think that's the answer at all. So, you know, I obviously would be advocating for for um, more of a free market and not having the government have such a monopoly power over our, our, our current uh, currency. Okay. And I, and I definitely don't think it's a, I think it's a scary thing when you say, okay, you have that kind of monopoly power. Uh, you know, the dollar is the most trusted currency in the world. And then you say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna remove those even those paper dollars from circulation. Forget about backing them with gold, but we're gonna remove the paper dollars and take a cash away from you, and then have a cryptocurrency that is allowing a centralized bureaucracy to observe every transaction that you have. I think that's a really dangerous thing for privacy and for freedom. Sorry, that just got me thinking. <laughs> I just thought, wow. I mean, well, that, that, that's that's the move right now. Is that yeah. you're, you're, there's a lot of people. And a lot of central banks who are moving toward okay, they're, you know, the innovation happened privately with Bitcoin, and then lots of other uh, kind of copycats, Ethereum, and, and and maybe innovators who are actually adding value. Uh, but then you have uh, the central banks who jump on the bandwagon and say, oh well, let's get part of that action. We don't want the private sectors out there to be able to go, to be able to go around us. So yeah. we'll have to. Uh, since we can't beat them, we're going to join them and beat them that way. And, and then you'll have the, you know, the Federal Reserve create its own cryptocurrency, which I think is a really dangerous thing. Yeah. So do you think that's where we're headed? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think. There'll be no more dollars? 
I think because what happens to the generations that aren't tech savvy? They just can't. They well, it can't happen over once. I mean, a lot of these yeah. things all at once. A lot of these things have to happen over generations. But the, I think there is a movement uh, of central planners, including in the banking worldwide banking uh, community, who are saying, "Yeah, we got to get rid of cash." Well, and don't we kind of already have that in a sense through like credit cards and Apple Pay and that kind of we stuff? We do, and, those, we and those are enormously effective and helpful in the sense of uh, payment systems and allowing people to buy on credit, and and that's a really good innovation. But once you start to say, okay, now there, you can have force on it. Visa can't force you to spend money, you, um, and they can't, uh, you know, they can track your your purchases, but they track those and don't, you know, they have contractual obligation not to share that with somebody else. When you have a government who can use force and actually decide, you know, this is what you have to use. You have to use our cryptocurrency. You have to use our, you know, that's what illegal tender means. You have to use these dollars and we can now track your expenditures. And, you know, a lot of people have made analogies to the uh, social credit scores that are going on in China right now, where they do uh, grade you as an individual, your behavior. Um, if they don't like what you say against the Communist Party, then maybe you don't get to travel. Maybe your cryptocurrency or your social credit score won't allow you to travel like you would, or won't, won't allow you to go to the schools that you thought you could, or won't allow you to buy certain products. Uh, that's a really horrible thing if your government doesn't like your behavior or your speech and then can change what you can do with the money that you earned already. Well, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> it's it's a scary thing, and you know, I I, uh, I didn't know we would necessarily go down this path. I think that from what I've read, Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, has been very cautious and concerned himself about having the U.S. adopt a cryptocurrency standard that would give the government that much power. And and there are innovations that would allow you to have a, a government cryptocurrency that potentially wouldn't track your spending uh, and, and give you more privacy. But I think it is something that American citizens should be aware of and concerned about. I mean, there is, again, lots of innovations, but they might have a downside, especially if they're in the hands of a central planner or someone who has power, the power and the use of force over our lives. Yeah. Well, maybe let's kind of pull this back into some of, some of the smaller topics um, that are a little bit more focused on what happened in this specific FTX situation. So I don't know about you, but I've I've watched all the cryptocurrencies just steadily decline over the year and definitely taking a, a continued drop with the recent release of all of this information. What is your current outlook on those types of, like the current coins? I mean, would you say, I know oftentimes we talk about companies where we say, this is a great company, good foundation, good cash flows, which similar but totally different than currency. But the way that you can value a company is saying, well, is this a good company? Now what, what price am I willing to pay for it? Now if the price all of a sudden drops, you go, well, is there something wrong with the company or is it on sale? And now taking those same principles and applying them to currencies, is there a lack in value in these coins and they're just dropping because the value wasn't there to begin with? Or are we looking at a maybe a buying opportunity? Uh, maybe both, right? Uh, maybe the value at the prices that they were being traded. And that's the thing. Um, let's back up a little bit more. I mean, a currency, uh, money itself, isn't necessarily designed to grow your wealth. Uh, we at Altius have never traded currencies. And most of the, the great investors that I know, you know, from Warren Buffett to Howard Marks or whoever, I mean, there, there are plenty of great investors who will say the same thing. 
that they're not trading currencies for the purposes of increasing their wealth or or investment. They might be hedging uh, one currency from another. Um, and, a, and a person can certainly speculate on currencies, but because a currency itself doesn't have an income source. Now, there are people out there who are doing innovative things by lending currencies or lending precious metals and then and trying to create a yield or an income stream. But when we try to compare a bond or a stock or a piece of rental property to a currency, those are two different things. A currency is designed to be a store of wealth, but not necessarily to be a accumulator or grower of wealth. So that's the first thing. And so if it doesn't have an income stream, how do you put a price on it? How do you say what it's what it's worth? And that and that's, you know, a downside to gold as well. People have often said, well, there's no yield on gold. There's no gold isn't productive in the sense that it's creating an income stream. So how do I know what the right price to pay for it is? Yeah. Um and it and I believe that in in a real sense gold itself is money and and you know, could maybe should be a currency or a component of currency, but it's not designed to be quote an investment. Uh, it's designed to protect your the, the the productive energy that you've accumulated and don't want to spend currently. You don't want to consume right now, so you are trying to store your value. So what is the right price to pay for Bitcoin? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely yeah. looks like it's more attractive today than it was, you know, maybe six months or a year ago. And and that is a normal part of any uh, asset cycle. The question is, does it really have value? I think I think it probably does. Again, I have not bought any. I'm more interested in... Uh, potentially the infrastructure, and that's what's interesting. This FTX was part of the infrastructure, right? It's a trading yeah. platform to to be able to to buy and sell crypto, various cryptocurrencies. And I think the infrastructure that is being built around uh, the blockchain is is fascinating to me. And and we are looking at potential opportunities there. Um, but again, I don't know how to put a price on these things. Um, I do have lots of friends who've to one degree or another, either dip their toes in or have a significant portion of their wealth in uh, a cryptocurrency, and they have price targets themselves. And and you know, if you can't, if you don't have an income, if you don't have an income stream, then how do you how do you put a price on something? Sometimes it's it's this momentum. You know, people do this with stocks. You know, what what does the crowd think? You know, is there yeah. is the crowd going the right direction? And they have these uh, technical charts that they put. You know, certain price targets on. I do know people who think you know, now is a decent time to buy, but I, I have no idea and and certainly wouldn't put a lot of my wealth in, into that uh, those markets right now. Yeah. I mean, just for me, looking at it and seeing the, the pricing drop, I my initial thought is, wow, if I, if I had the liquidity and didn't need to save it for a future home purchase or something, I would consider, well, maybe I should maybe increase some of my exposure. Yeah. And that's for a few reasons. I mean, I, I look at my timeline. I mean, I, I'm not young, young, but I'm younger, so I have a longer timeline. So in case I lose the money, and then I don't necessarily foresee this going away completely. This, but you yeah. mean the blockchain? Yeah, the blockchain, no. I think Bitcoin. Huge, the question is whether these cryptocurrencies will be yeah. adopted, right? Will they'll be adopted? And, and I know people who believe that Bitcoin itself is so, so far ahead in terms of you know, a market adoption and they, that they will be the winner. Um, but as a currency, you know, can you see yourself actually doing transactions, daily transactions in a cryptocurrency? I, I don't know. That hasn't really, it's pretty tough to displace the dollar in that regard, right? Well, and it's really hard when it's not a one-for-one trade-off or a one-for-two trade-off. I mean, when you think about, when I think about growing up and I was fortunate to visit other countries, I mean, you could 
look at, well, what's a, a peso to a dollar? It, it wasn't a super, super hard conversion. Or what's a euro to a dollar was even closer to say, okay, well, I know what I'm paying for this. When you turn around and say, well, one is 17,000, now you're dividing. If you want to buy a candy bar, you got to say, well, I want 0. 0.0002 of a Bitcoin or something crazy like that. I think the math makes it harder to be a means of exchange. Yeah, but those are, those are I mean, that's part of the technology that solves things. You know, the, you yeah. know you, everyone has on their phone, uh, you know, a con- currency converter from from uh, you know dollars to pounds to to uh, lira or whatever yeah. uh, euros, um, people can do those kind of calculations pretty easily on a on an app. Uh, and and I have heard there's a guy at Duke I can't remember the the there's a professor at Duke who's done some really good research on on this whole phenomena and he believes and and this is kind of sci-fi type stuff but he believes that that it's not that far off you know within the next decade we will be making purchases from a device. Uh, and we'll be able to choose how we pay for things. And you might be able to, one day you might pay for your groceries with U.S. dollars, and the next day you might be paying for groceries with cattle futures, or you might be paying uh, oh, wow. your, paying for your groceries with uh, some other commodity or, or some other currency or some crypto uh, that you'll be able to choose. And, and there'll be that kind of deterioration of friction between various ways of investing and quote, storing your value. And depending upon the, the, the trading market that day, you might say, well, here's what I want to give up. Here's what I'm willing to give up in terms of the things that I have that, are, that I call assets. Uh, yeah. And Safeway maybe will be willing to take them from you. So it'll be almost like a transition back to a bartering type society, but considerably more efficient. You're not bringing the cattle to trade in for your cut up beef right. slices and, and or that something. Is, that is part of what what's so interesting about the technology is it's a, it's allowing for there to be less and less friction between traders. Uh, will it actually you know, go to? It? I don't. I wouldn't call it going back to a barter, but in a sense, that's what's happening. I mean, and you know, people think of. Sometimes we use this phrase, you know, we don't want our clients to think of stocks as pieces of paper or, or worse, poker chips. You know, we want the people to realize there's real assets, there's real people behind the businesses that we're buying. And, and that's what the value is, not necessarily, you know, the day-to-day emotional trading that goes on. And, but there is, you know, there is this, this whole phenomenon of trading and valuation that happens. And it's happening not just in stocks anymore. It's happening in all, in all kinds of markets where people have the ability to say, well, that's, I can convert that to dollars now, or I can convert that to gold, or I can convert that to, to Bitcoin. Um, and it's a fascinating thing. I do think people need to be better educated about, uh, again, the source of wealth. Ultimately, the source of wealth is human beings solving problems, right? Using yeah. human, smart human beings using their mind to solve problems of, first of all, you know, surviving in the world and then thriving beyond that and, and having better lives. Uh, and that, that ultimately means, you know, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who are the ones who are taking, you know, abstract knowledge and applying to pro- real world problems today and turning them into companies uh, that provide value. And, that, and that's ultimately the source of wealth. Uh, but people should be better educated with regard to that, that whole string of, okay, here's how wealth gets made. Here's how people make, how people value things, you know, what, what their values are and how, what they're willing to trade for, and then um, how to protect themselves and, and not only protect, but uh, grow their wealth. And, and that's partly what we do at Altius, right? Yeah, definitely. Educate our clients about this whole process. Yeah. Well, so for our listeners who are maybe saying, 
Okay, this this podcast episode kind of went all over the place. Our main purpose for today was really to just kind of update our listeners on here's what's going on. If you have FTX or if you're curious about what's going on, I maybe heard something on the news and I'm curious what Altius's opinions are. This is us kind of saying, here's a breakdown, here's the SparkNotes version of what went down, and maybe what we think as far as our outlook for cryptocurrency, currency in general, means of exchanges for the future. I think taking a look at, well, what has happened in the recent month and what does it look like for the future, that was mainly our ideal for today. Another thing to make sure that all of our listeners are taking away from this is Mike has said before and definitely reiterated in this episode that it's kind of a buyer beware situation. I think there's a false sense of security of I see others doing something and therefore I want to do it. You still need to make these decisions for yourself. You still want to say, well, FTX looks like it's cool because it's got Mercedes with the F1. Is it really a good company? Is there any basis for why I should be putting my money and how much money should I be putting into any given investment? You definitely want to be cautious of your personal allocation, and then the security of where you're putting your assets. Absolutely. And that's where you want to find trusted sources. I mean, no one can be an expert on everything. And so you need to find trusted sources where, where and, and being willing to do a little bit of research about those sources. We hope to be a trusted resource for our clients, and we believe that we are and have earned that. Uh, we want to thank people for listening to us. Hopefully you found this podcast and other episodes enjoyable and, and thought-provoking. And we invite you to follow, like, and friend us on all the social media platforms. They're saved as Altius Financial One Word. And you can see our logo and the profile picture and so forth. But we also want to encourage you to make suggestions of other topics you'd like to hear us address on the podcast. And certainly if you would like to discuss your cryptocurrency portfolio or maybe more importantly your, your 401k or your uh, retirement plans. Um, we would welcome you to come talk to us. Uh, we're here and available. You can check out our website, www.altiusfinancial.com. You can reach out to either one of us personally, Taylor or Michael at altiusfinancial.com. And hopefully you're capitalizing on your Friday and have a fantastic weekend. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in.